Let's just pray together. Let's pray. Let's just be quiet for a moment and quiet our hearts together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that you're here with us right at this very moment. And Lord, your desire is that we would turn aside from the things that would distract us and that we would give our full attention to you. We thank you, Lord, that you love us with an incredible love. A love, Lord, that's incomprehensible in many ways. And yet it's a love, Lord, that you desire to touch each and every one of our lives. Lord, you want to speak to us and we just thank you, Lord, for that. That you're interested in each and every one of us. And so, Lord, we ask now that you would help us, Lord, by your Spirit. Give us ears to listen and a heart to respond. And a desire, Lord, to do what you will say to us. And so again, Lord, we just thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, Amen. I think I can say without contradiction that all of us need to be encouraged. We all need to know that someone believes in us. We all from time to time need to be reassured. We all need from time to time to be reaffirmed. We all need from time to time to hear that word. Sometimes when our life is not where it should be. Just to provide that sense of not being alone. Actually, when you stop to analyse the concept of encourage, if you look it up in the the New Testament, uh, the uh, dictionary, it takes on, on a new meaning. Encourage is the act of inspiring others with a renewed hope, or being inspired with a renewed hope, of regaining that courage that sometimes we lose, of having that Spirit of God within us again. We all need to be encouraged. Would you agree with me there? That from time to time we find ourselves in a place where we need to be lifted up, to be stimulated. The sad thing is, and probably I speak to myself more than anybody, the sad thing is, and I think it's a man thing, that we're too proud to sometimes admit that we need to be encouraged. That we're too proud to admit that we actually need help that we can't do on our own. And this lady that we're going to meet in the New Testament, (coughs) she's like that. We meet her when she is rock bottom. She can't go any further down. We meet her and she's empty. And she's dry. And that's the lovely thing we'll see what happens when Jesus comes and encourages her and lifts her up. So if you have your Bible, you'd like to turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we'll read this story together. It's a lovely story. Now it is a well-known story. And sometimes when well-known stories are written, are, are read, we tend to switch off. But this is God's word. 
This is what God is saying to me and to you today. So let's open our ears and our hearts. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When Jesus learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would, give, he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of living water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Sumerians worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipper will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or what are you talk why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, 
The woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say four months more and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look to the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the reapers draw their wages. <clears throat> Even now, the harvest crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefit of their labour. Many of the Samaritans came to the, from the town, believed in him because of the woman's testimony. <coughs> he told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came and urged him to stay with them, he stayed two days. And because of his word, Many more believed. <clears throat> they said to the woman, you no longer, we no longer believe just because of what you said, but now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the saviour of the world. And we'll pray that God will bless that reading to us. <clears throat> it's a long one, but it's a good one, isn't it? It's full of hope, it's full of, of Everything that we, we want. They say that John's Gospel, when it was written, was made up by a series of conversations that Jesus had with people as he travelled around. And in many ways that's true. If you look at the first conversation that's recorded in John's Gospel, it's with a man called Nicodemus. He was a leader. He was a religious man. He was a man that people looked up to. And then when Jesus has a conversation with him, he says to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus, if you want to be a child of God, then there's only one way. Not by your religion, not by your good works, but by the Spirit of God working in you. Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then we have this conversation with this woman. This woman, who it seemed her life was like the very bucket that she was carrying. That bucket was empty and that bucket was dry. And when Jesus meets her, as we've just read, he makes this fantastic, he makes this amazing claim that he was the living water. And the proof is always in the eating. And this woman ate or she drank. She believed what Jesus said. And my goodness, what a transformation. The miracle happened. Let's consider your age to begin with. How old are you? I'm seven and a half 
exactly. You needn't say exactly, the Queen remarked. I can believe that. Now I will give you something to believe in. I am 101, five months and a day. Oh, I can't believe that, said Alice. Can't you? said the Queen in a pitying tone. Try again. Draw a deep breath. Shut your eyes. Alice laughed. There's no use trying. One can't believe the impossible. Oh, I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the Queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour before breakfast. Why, sometimes I could believe even six impossible things before I had my porridge. That's a quote from Lewis Carroll's novel Alice in Wonderland. I wonder why people find it difficult to believe in the impossible. Even sometimes amongst Christians we have forgotten about the impossible. In the upside down world of the White Queen, it seems that faith, the impossible, was only a matter of effort. Hold your breath, close your eyes, and if you try hard enough, anything can happen. But in this real world that we live in, this side of the looking glass, there's a vast difference between faith and wishful thinking. There's a vast difference between reality and fantasy. And yet, people today still find it hard to believe in the impossible. That the impossible can't happen. And sadly, many Christians believe that the impossible can't happen. I want you to look at me. Just have a look at me. Here is someone who believes in the impossible. Why? Because of what happened to me and my faith. My God left heaven, came down to earth. He became a child. He walked this earth. He died on a cross and he promised new life. The impossible. Because I put my trust and I believed in him, the impossible happened. That faith became real. I want to suggest that this is exactly what happened to this woman. There she was when we meet her. What is she looking for? You can almost read her mind. She's looking for happiness. She's looking for contentment. And it seems that it had eluded her all of her life. It seemed that it was just around the corner. It was just out of her grasp. And the current man in her life, we told, was number six. Now, maybe in our permissive society, that would seem a triumph for sexual freedom. But sadly for this woman, it was part of her tragedy. If you asked her, I'm convinced, if you asked her, what do you want from life, my dear? What do you want from life? I'm sure it would have been very simple. I just want to settle down. I just want to be loved. I want to be married properly. I want to know Mr. Right. And yet sadly all she had met 
was Mr. Wrong. Now she was a trier, you could say that. <clears throat> I tried to picture her when she was a young girl, just growing up. And I'm sure like all young girls of her day, she just had this lovely dream of settling down, of having a family, of living the good life. And here she was when we meet her. Sadly, she's cynical, she's hard, and she's heartbroken. Simply because the way life had treated her. A lonely, sad, insecure woman. And all she wanted was a little happiness in her life. Was that too much to ask? And I wonder that day as she made her way with her empty bucket to the well, I wonder if she ever thought that she would return to her house not with a bucket that was full, but with a life that was full. I wonder if she ever thought that. That the impossible, that the miracle would happen. I wonder when you left your house this morning, when I left my house, I wonder if I've ever thought there's a miracle and it's going to happen. Do you believe that? The God of the miracle. Do you think he could work a miracle here? No response. Do you think that he could work a miracle here? Yes, he can. I'm a great cowboy fan. I watch all these old cowboy films if I get a chance to. And one of my favourite cowboys is a guy called Kirk Douglas. I think he's just great. And if he is in the film, then I'll watch it. So much so that I read about his life. And this is what he said about his life. And you would think that a guy like Kirk Douglas had everything. He said he likened his life to a second-rate script. He said my life is corny. He said if someone offered me a screenplay of my life, I would turn it down. And there are millions of people out there, and also in the church, who are very much like this woman that they meet, that we meet at the well. That their lives are empty, and their lives are unfulfilled, and they are unsatisfied with their lot. And as I say, the tragedy is that there are many Christians who are like that also. Most people realize that their lives are empty. Most people realize that their life is going nowhere. But sadly, we don't know what to do about it. Yet for this woman, one unexpected day, a day that started out like all the rests, this day she meets with the Lord Jesus Christ. One day, like us, it started out like all the rest and then boom, unexpectedly, even although we're Christians, unexpectedly, we meet with Jesus. And listen to this, in the space of a conversation, 
That's all it took. One little conversation in the space of a conversation, her life was transformed. She wasn't empty anymore. She was full. She was brimming. What was dull, what was ordinary, changed into something that was sparkling for all to see in the space of a conversation. And as I say, there's millions of people in our society, just like the woman at the well. Their lives are empty. And they are unsatisfied with their lot. Why do you think John, the Apostle John, was led by the Holy Spirit to record the conversation that we have just read from the Scripture? Of all the conversations that Jesus had in his life with all these interesting people, why was this one recorded for us? I want to suggest it's there as a reminder to each person that what happened to this woman can happen to us. Whether we've taken that step from death to life or whether we are where we are, what happened to this woman can happen to us. And it can happen to us today. God's here. Isn't that amazing? He's here. Right in our midst. And he wants it to happen. We are told that Jesus was on his way from Judea to Galilee. Now most Jews who would take that journey would go around the long way because they wouldn't go anywhere near Samaria. But Jesus did. Jesus went that day because he knew he was certain of one thing he had to meet with this woman he had to have a conversation with this special lady and I've read the passage over and over again as I've tried to prepare and one lovely truth that struck me and I should know it anyway but it struck me again that Jesus is no respecter of persons or people He doesn't have favourites. He treats everyone the same. From Nicodemus, who was a high hygiene, to this woman, who was a nobody, he treats treats us all the same. And he has something to say to us. To Nicodemus he had to say, you must be born again, because Nicodemus needed that. To this woman... She needed to drink in all that he had to offer in one conversation. Notice the way that Jesus does it. He doesn't take long with chit-chat. Jesus speaks to this lady and he gets right to the heart of the matter. He goes right to the heart of the problem that this woman has in her life. Now I want you to notice one thing. Because sometimes people are sometimes a little bit afraid to open up. Jesus is very gentle and he's very loving with this lady. He knows that he's going to touch sore points in her life. 
He knows that he's going to cause her distress. But he's doing so because he wants to bring healing into her situation. And as you prayed and your prayer just hit me, that Jesus always meets us, what did you say? At the point of our greatest need. And that's true. Jesus will always meet us at the point of our greatest need. He's not like the psychiatrist, and I'm nothing against them, who, like the big onion, they like to peel off the layers and get underneath. Jesus knows us. He doesn't have to take back the layers. He knows where we are and where we're coming from. And when he looked at that woman that day, he knew that life had treated her cruelly. He knew that she was having a hard time. He knew that she was a cynical, hard woman. Jesus knew. And I want to reaffirm today here that Jesus knows. He knows where you are. He knows where you're coming from. And he knows where he wants to take you. He knows. The words of this woman, the part of the conversation that he, she had with Jesus, as you read it, you begin to realize that the woman, when she began the conversation, knew that someone very special was having this conversation with her. That this stranger was different from all the other men she had ever met in her life. It seemed that all these other men just wanted one thing. They wanted to use her or abuse her. Here was a man called Jesus who was talking to her, who wanted actually to give her something. To give something of himself. Here's a thing that sometimes I forget. That I am made in the image of God. That I am a created being. That God is my creator. Now if God is my creator, then he certainly knows me better than I know myself. If God is my creator and he put me together piece by piece so that he made Robert Young who is unique from everyone else. He knows if something's wrong with me. He knows how to put it right. He created me. The problem is that I think that I know best. The problem is I try to do things myself. And the problem is I can end up as cynical and as dried up as this woman. She thought that she could find the answer to life in a man. And that's why Jesus very gently says, go and fetch your husband. If I go to the doctor, I have to tell him what is wrong with me before he can treat me. I don't go into the doctor, sit down, and he gives me medicine, and then I tell him what's wrong with me. He listens to what is wrong with me, and then, from the problem, he gives me medicine that will deal with, and it will be the remedy for my illness. 
Yet in life, we don't do that. This woman thought that she knew the answer. She thought that men would fulfill all her desires. And the world, and certainly in the Christian church too, we're like that. We're seeking to be fulfilled with other things. How many find fulfillment in family? Or in friends? Or in a job? Or in drink? Or in money? And so I could go on and on and on. But we think that we know the answer. All of us, dare I say it, have skeletons in our cupboards, don't we? Sometimes we try to hide things. We try to hide who we really are. And yet the stupid thing about it is that God knows us better than we know ourselves. And we can never fool him. Each person here, and I say it again, God knows you. He knows where you are right at this moment. I've got a lovely smile on my face. Do you know what's going on inside me? God does. I look at you lovely people and you all look at peace with the world. Is that true? God knows where you are. So what was it that made this very private woman, who had a face, I believe, that only the world saw, but inside she was hurting. What was it that made this woman open up the way that she did? And what would it be for us to be totally honest and open up the way that we should? I want to suggest to you this, that she recognized Jesus for who he was. She recognized Jesus as someone that she could put her complete and utter trust in. And sometimes many of us have lost that. Can we really trust Jesus with this? When Jesus said to him, I am he. When he declared to her that he was God himself, the Messiah, she knew that he spoke the truth. She trusted in him. In that majestic saying, that he was God himself, she knew that she could never be satisfied with anything else. Any of the men in her life, Only God himself could satisfy. Do you trust Jesus with what's going on in your life? I want to close with six words, seven words, that you read in verse 28. And it just struck me as I was thinking about this. Verse 28 says this, So this woman left her empty jar. I'd never noticed that before. She left her empty jar. And I want to suggest the empty jar was a symbol of her empty life. She left it. She abandoned it. She'd forgotten it. Because she had met with Jesus. And her life would never be 
the same. This new life was so evident that when she spoke to the neighbours that she'd never spoken to before, they could see that something was different. If you read on to John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says these words, I have come to give you life and life to the full. There's proof that what Jesus says is true. That this woman had a life and life to the full. It all started with a conversation that Jesus had with this woman. And so I look at you with love in my heart, and I do. And I ask, do you need to have a conversation with Jesus for where you are right now? Behind the mask, maybe someone is hurting. You need to have a conversation with Jesus. Maybe you're feeling dry just now. You need that conversation with Jesus. You know, they say that this time of year that we're in, from the beginning of the year to spring, is the time of the year that affects most people, physically, mentally, and spiritually. They call it a dry time. Maybe you feel a little bit dry like the woman at the well. Can I suggest as lovingly as possible (coughs) that you go and have your conversation with Jesus? (coughs) He's waiting. He went out of his way and he'll go out of his way for each of us to have that conversation. How easy. Sit down, take your Bible, close the door and speak to him. Like the woman, tell him how you're feeling. And you have that promise that he has promised to give life and life to the full. Wow, what a God we have. The God of the miracle. Come on, that deserves an amen. God of the miracle. Go and have your conversation with Jesus, please. Because he knows where you are. He knows where you're coming from. But the wonderful thing is he knows also where he wants to take you. Wow. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you again for your word and for the way that it gives us so much encouragement. Lord, help us to take up the challenge and learn from this woman at the well. Help us, Lord, to come and to have a lovely conversation with you just to tell you how we are, even although we are fine and great. Help us to have that conversation and be renewed by it. In Jesus' name, amen.